This is a Tech Briefs Media Group podcast. Hello and welcome to another Who's Who at NASA podcast. NASA is working on technology to autonomously land a spacecraft on the moon, Mars, or even an asteroid. It's called ALHAT, or Autonomous Landing Hazard Avoidance Technology. And today on the podcast, we have Bob Reese, Project Manager at Langley Research Center for ALHAT. Bob, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Bob, first, what does Autonomous Landing Hazard Avoidance Technology look like? What is it? sensors that uh, can determine or can measure the area of interest that we're trying to get to on the ground. Uh, we have, in addition to that, we have a standard altimeter just to help us navigate to the ground to get us to the, to the right location. And the third thing is a uh, what we call a laser Doppler system, which measures uh, relative ground uh, altitude and velocity uh, relative to the ground. Uh, as you can imagine, an IMU tells you your your velocity, but it doesn't tell you how you're doing relative to the ground or to the area of interest as you're approaching a, a planetary body. So those three sensors, and there's a series of computers, obviously, that take that data, uh, interpret the uh, target location into what we call a digital elevation map that gives us uh, locations of, you know, things that we could consider hazardous. Um, and then that has to be processed into a series of target locations uh, that there's then passed on to the guidance computer. And the guidance computer then has to look at the trajectory that it is currently on, uh, how it can make an adaption to get to one of the target locations and figure out which one is the best one to get to. Uh, so it's a combined sensors and computer systems and attitude control systems that go into making one complete all-hat package. And, and what will all-hat be able to do? Well, the idea is that, one, given that you would, we started with sort of lunar type things, one is you have to, you have to get to your target location exact, uh, as accurately as you possibly can. And, and we're talking now in terms of tens of meters uh, getting to a target location. So given your descent from an orbit, you have to navigate to that location. Once you're close to the uh, target region, you have to be able to sense the uh, what's at the site so you can determine where it is you want to go, and then you have to navigate to that particular site, and we're trying to do that to the order of meters. And so, uh, from a technology perspective, can you dig in a little more and talk about what allows uh, All Hat, or what in All Hat allows uh, vehicles to avoid obstacles? Sure. Uh, the principal instrument that does that is the uh, is what we call a flash flash lidar. Uh, instead of being a single detector that ter- determines the distance, uh, the one we're presently using has a 128 by 128. Uh, different sensors. So when we send out one flash of light from the from the instrument, we receive 16,000 returns. Those returns then can help us determine the structure of the the target landing site. And from that, you build up a map of the area uh, where it's present, trying to determine essentially where all the hazards are that are about 30 centimeters or 
about that size, 30 centimeters, about the size of a basketball. So we're trying to determine where all the basketballs are in an area of about 100 meters by 100 meters. In other words, a football field by a football field. Um, and then we can determine where, where it is we have to go. How is that map built out? Currently, we, uh, we essentially image it as a series of small squares or small images uh, at about the resolution of the uh, 30 centimeters that we're talking about and then build up a, a sort of semi-raster scanning the entire area and that is then melded together by uh, software. From a technology perspective too, how does uh, how is it able to land safely? Well, uh, safely is one that is determined by the spacecraft of what it needs to, to survive. Uh, one, we are looking to make sure that the spacecraft lands a, a flat enough space that it can do whatever it is that it has to do. Uh, as in like the lunar landings where they had to make sure that they could uh, relaunch the uh, spacecraft to get back to the back to Earth. Uh, they needed to be uh, within 11 degrees of the vertical. So one thing we we're looking for is slopes. We don't want to land on too high slopes. I think one of the, the Mars missions, for example, uh, one of the little landers, they had to be fairly close to a few degrees uh, relative to the surface for the thing to actually work, uh, to get off and go about its job. So that's an important consideration. So we want to make sure that it can land uh, in an area that is relatively flat, doesn't have any rocks or holes that it would put a foot into and it would cause it not to be able to. So it's uh, it's an amalgam of, you know, where are the craters, where are the rocks, where are the holes, and where can we find a, an area where the spacecraft can put down all its feet safely and be within whatever tolerance the spacecraft has for whatever its future mission is. What other uh, ALHAT technologies assist with navigation? Uh, the principal one we have is, uh, besides the standard altimeter, which is used uh, essentially from the time you deorbit to determine your position along way by tracking the the uh, terrain as you're descending to the surface, you can uh, figure out if you have a decent model of the terrain at the body, you can figure out where you are relative to the target location. So that's one. And the second one, uh, is a uh, is this laser altimeter or, or laser Doppler system, uh, which has a three three beams uh, pointed towards the ground. Each one of them can tell you the relative distance to the ground and the relative velocity along that beam. So, in terms of navigating to your safe spot, this gives you your information relative to the ground as to your attitude and to your velocity, uh, which are very important in figuring out how to put the spacecraft down in this precise spot. One of the difficulties we basically have is in a lot of missions, if you're really trying to navigate to a safe spot, you really have to sort of center yourself above the spot you want to go and descend vertically. And to do that, we need to make sure that the spacecraft is is, is really not moving, and that's one of the advantages of this altimeter uh, Doppler LiDAR over, say, an IMU. You mentioned that difficulty. Were there other technical challenges in your, uh, with any part of the uh, autonomous landing hazard avoidance technology? 
Well, the uh, the Doppler the Doppler altimeter is essentially an entirely new technology that's been developed here at Langley. Um, it's a package uh, that uh, in many ways simulates uh, radar Doppler systems, which are used. Uh, well, they were used on some of the Mars landers to determine uh, how they were approaching the, the surface. Uh, but the, the accuracy that we can determine uh, distance and velocity is the order of 100 times better than the radar. We can determine the velocities down to the order of uh, centimeters per second and altitudes of the order of centimeters uh, range. Uh, that's one technology that's probably state-of-the-art at this particular point. A flashlight R, again, is probably, uh, it's been around for a while. There have been, actually, instances of it flown in space, at least two that I know of. Um, but, you know, it's a coming technology that will allow for uh, many other applications, and they're both more or less state-of-the-art components at this particular point. Can you walk us through how ALHAT has been tested and how well that test worked out? Well, we've had a series of uh, <clears throat> flight tests, most of which have been just to demonstrate the, the, material, uh, the instruments and how well they work. Uh, we've had a series of helicopter flights uh, culminating in a flight just this past December. And we've had a couple flights on a plane. In the last flight, we attempted to integrate all of the various components. Uh, we had all the instruments mounted on the bottom of one of Langley's UE helicopters, and uh, we flew them over a prepared target area at the uh, at Kennedy Space Center. It's been prepared just for us. It's got craters and rocks and various other things, so that we can determine we can use that to sense. We uh, flew a series of flights over two weeks in December, and that data is being analyzed. We didn't try to guide the sensor, guide the helicopter. Um, that'll come next. But uh, so we had all the sensors working together. They all integrated in with the computer systems that were doing a job of generating the maps and providing input to guidance, the, our internal guidance system. Uh, the helicopter was still controlled by pilots, but we, we got all the data, and we're now looking at the data. So so what's next? More tests? Actually, what's next is to work with a Morpheus vehicle out of Johnson Space Center. Uh, that's a, what they call a vertical test bed. It's an autonomous rocket that will lift off uh, by itself, navigate using the all-hack guidance computer to the, to the landing area, and all the all-hat sensors will be involved, and all the computer systems will work, and hopefully that will test the whole system, being able to uh, take off, guide to the right area, and determine a safe area, and then land. What is exciting to you about this technology? What do you see as the possibilities? Well, the possibilities are, one, uh, be able to go anywhere, any place, any time. Part of what our original charter was was to be able to go to the moon anywhere, any place, any time, and put down either uh, a human human being or an intelligent spacecraft to do anything that it needs to do. Uh, 
we built the idea of the technology such that it could go to the to what we would call, you know, the back of the moon or when it's dark, when it's not illuminated. Uh, so it's there for whatever mission is necessary to get to any place. Uh, place where Apollo went and various other landers have gone have usually been fairly benign. Uh, the moon, for example, one of the more interesting places to go is the you know, South Pole, where there's potential for water supplies in the unlit craters, or the, you know, not sunlit craters, and uh, that's a particularly rocky, not very benign area to try to live, to uh, land. So it opens up more possibilities for exploration by either humans or, or robots. Is it true for asteroids as well? What? Uh, yes. Asteroids? Yes, certainly. One of the problems with asteroids is that we probably will never be able to really map them very accurately before we get to it. Uh, one argument against all that is that you ought to be able to, to sense what you're doing beforehand with, uh, you know, spacecraft that are in orbit and, and imaging the surface. Um, we've more or less shown that everything up to now probably can't do the job, particularly in some areas. But anyway, with an asteroid, you probably won't have that option. You'll have to uh, go more or less, get there, figure out what you're doing, and, and get down to the surface without a lot of preliminary stuff. So it should allow access to asteroids in a, in a much easier, faster time frame. Can you talk a bit about how these technologies or how Alhat can carry over to other industries? Uh, I'm thinking specifically, I've heard that um, helicopters can use these. Uh, basically, yeah, one of the points uh, we really think that helicopters and, and uh, uh, would be very interested in is to have uh, the technology for the, uh, for the Doppler system. It really would be able to give you... Uh, in nasty conditions, access to how fast you're moving relative to the ground, and uh, you know your attitude or altitude and attitude relative to the ground on a continuous basis from say two kilometers to the surface. Uh, this would be advantageous for for instruments that have to to navigate in probably not very good conditions, such as you know in rain or fog or something else, which would so be advantageous, or at night, when the, particularly when the lights go out. Uh, so we think that that, that does have applications to, uh, to, uh, to, to helicopters, particularly in terms of navigation in uh, non-ideal conditions. What is your specific work with LHAT? I basically... Uh, deal with uh, the project management at, at Johnson and in terms of uh, coordinating our work with the, the rest of the team. The rest of the, the project is based in uh, <coughs> is based at Johnson Space Center and we also have contributing uh, work done at JPL. So it's a, it's a Mali Center project. So that's part of my job. The other part is to uh, you know, manage the team here to uh, get the work done on time and get our sensors out to the where they have to be when they have to be there. Finally, what is your favorite part of the job? Well, I, I, I have worked on uh, a lunar mission in the past and believe that 
we as a as a nation and as a people need to be exploring as well as we can the solar system and beyond. And I think this is the primary reason I have to be on the job is because it's it's exciting and then it may, you know, add to the capability of us exploring the solar system. Well, Bob, thanks for joining us here for another Who's Who at NASA podcast. Okay, thank you.